Opinions expressed on the Ice Free Fitness podcast are those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent Blind Alive. No comments are meant to diagnose or treat any particular condition, but to assist you on your journey to wellness. Please consult your doctor if your questions are of a medical nature. Hi, everybody. This is the Eyes Free Fitness Podcast number 61. I am Mel Scott, and today we have solved our audio problems. At least I hope so. The last podcast didn't sound so great in spots, and that was that was my fault. That was my computer issues, but I think today it's going to sound good, and we do have a good show for you today. We're going to do an interview with Lawrence McClellan, from Saskatchewan, Canada. He is a reflexologist, and I think you're going to be very interested to learn about reflexology as a healing modality and a self-care possibility for yourself. And we're also going to talk about the business aspects of being a full-time reflexologist. So stay tuned for that. And then we have a Let's Eat segment with Peggy, and I'll let her tell you what she's cooking up today. So I want to give a personal report today. As of the um, airing of this particular podcast, I have finished my cancer treatments. I was doing a year-long treatment of a cancer drug called Herceptin, and that involved having infusions every three weeks. And I handled them very, very well. And these last few treatments have kind of kicked my butt a little bit, um, just in terms of fatigue. And also, I think winter has something to do with that. But I'm finished now, and I'm really looking forward to getting strong again, really feeling good about myself. And reflexology is, is part of my, my care plan that I'm going to be doing uh, this year, plus exercising more and getting some acupuncture and really pinpointing the areas of my diet that need a little bit more work. I'm really quite good with my diet, but there's usually room for improvement. And so I'm going to to really nail that down now. So I just wanted to let people know because people have been wonderfully concerned and it makes me feel good to know that I am cared for, and I want to just say, yeah, I'm great, good. 2017 is going to be a fabulous year. So let's get on to our interview with Lawrence. Hi, Lawrence. It's good to have you with us today. Hey, Mel. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Is it? Uh, what's it like up there in uh, Saskatchewan? Well, um, we've had some very, very cold weather. We've had, uh, of course, some people know this already, but when it's minus 40 Celsius, it's more minus 40 Fahrenheit. And we were very close to that temperature for about a week. And it's warmed up now to probably in Fahrenheit, probably around 38 degrees, maybe. Oh, uh, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. We'll, we'll stop talking about the weather. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about reflexology. And I think 
probably a lot of our listeners don't have any clue about what that is, and uh, that's that's what we're talking about. So, uh, how about let's just have a a run through of what is reflexology, and what do you do, and what's your background, and how did you get into it, and just just tell us a story. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, first of all, reflexology is based on a healing art that has been around for thousands of years. It's a little bit like acupuncture. We work on the feet, hands. There's other body parts too, but mainly the feet is is the one that I'm I'm I more specialize in. So uh, we deal with meridians, which which is similar to acupuncture. And basically, what it is is the whole body is mapped out in the feet. And there are actually different charts that may show reflexes in different points but of the feet. But generally speaking, everyone agrees that basically, so, so the toes would be the head, the ball of the foot is the lungs and chest, the mid part of your foot uh, would be kidneys, liver, gallbladder, the organs that are in the middle of your body. And if you were to run your finger down the outside of your foot, there's a little bone, a little bump on the outside edge. If you were to draw an imaginary straight line across, that's the waistline. So anything below that would be waist. So you got your hips, you got the bowel, small intestine, uh, female, uh, you know, ovaries, uterus, prostate, all of that's in there. Now, and of course the spine is is on the foot as well. So by working these reflex points, what happens is we trigger a response in the body. Now that response is basically a relaxation response. So the client, it's the client themselves that's doing the healing. And so what we're doing is we're nudging that potential. We're, we're sort of encouraging the body or resetting, basically. It's almost like a reset button. Because we work the whole body. So if somebody came in for a lower back problem, we, we don't just work the back reflexes. We work the whole body because the whole body is involved in the healing of, of that person. And so there's going to be things like detoxing. Uh, you might feel thirsty afterwards. You might have um, a little more elimination. You might sleep a little deeper. You might feel like you've had a really good massage. Um, it's, it's great. It's very, I love it. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so that's uh, basically it. Um, and then there's theories. Generally, for me, I work on... Um, sensitivity and so when somebody first comes in and I've been doing this now 24 years so when somebody comes in I don't want them to tell me anything anymore I, I say just let me do a check on you first and I use a number system one to five which is uh, pressure points I press on certain spots and they give me this measure like five would be like where you'd almost want to pull away five is quite tender so after about five minutes of checking uh, usually I can tell them, okay, your lower back, your left shoulder, your right knee, um, your gallbladder, uh, lymphatic system is showing up, and possibly your thyroid. I might give that for an example. Now, I don't diagnose that that's the problem, but what I do is I'll say, this is according to reflexology, and these are the areas. And 90, it's amazing, really, <laughs> 90. 99% of the time, they're, they're just totally, they just can't believe it. They're blown it, away, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I have a theory, and this is a good one for anybody that's visually, anybody really, is you do it enough, um, you're bound to get it right eventually. That's kind of <laughs> my, 
my philosophy, I guess. So in addition to that, with reflexology, um, we might work on somebody once a week, every two weeks. We might It might be twice in the same week if they're really having a lot of problems. Right. By the end of the session, um, you've given them some information. Like you've asked, you ask a lot of questions is, is what I do. And uh, most problems are going to be self-inflicted. They're not drinking enough water, not getting enough sleep, drinking too much coffee, eating the wrong foods. It will be self-inflicted. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah. And you know that from from your massage and and so on. Yeah. I used to do um, reflexology, too. I did it at the end of a yoga class. A yoga teacher hired me to come in and do reflexology for her students after the yoga class. Yeah. and, And so... I usually, um, when they leave, they have a plan because, you know, as good as reflexology is, I can't hydrate somebody. They, they have to drink the water or they have to go to bed. And, and, um, and so what ends up happening is I try to, I have them on a plan. I got them motivated. Uh, you know, I try to motivate them to make one or two healthy changes at a time and then they see results. And even, uh, you know, my business has been all referral. And so let's say the problem really is dehydration. They did all the water drinking, uh, but I get the credit because, you know, they'll <laughs> say, you know, this this guy told me, you know, and my gosh, I feel so good. And and so then they, uh, it's all referral, you know. So um, I just find it so interesting. I, I just love the idea when, I, when somebody first comes to me. Yeah. And I check everything over and... It's just, it's, you know, they say it's incredible. I said, no, it's your, it's your feet. They're just showing up these things, you know. And I use temperature too. Sometimes there'll be warm spots on the feet that are real good indicators. So those are my two. Some other people use other techniques, but that's that's the two that I use to um So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about a, a typical session and how you take a person. Let's say if I called you up and, you know, uh-huh. said, Lawrence, I... I you know, can I come see you? So-and-so told me you sure. were really fabulous. So what happens in a in a typical session? Well, first of all, I don't have them fill out a form. I, I do an audio recording of the session afterward. Not a, not the session, but a, like record keeping. Right. And I, na- I name that audio file their name. And so it's so much faster to, to do that. So when they first come in, I have them come in. I have them lay on the table. Um, I might put a blanket over them. They're in bare feet. And I have some lotion, um, which I put on the feet. And then um, I, I ask them not to tell me anything first. <laughs> and I do I do that checkpoint first. And then we review what showed up. And then I usually ask them, okay, is there anything else that I missed or anything else that you want to tell me about? Because there are certain things that don't show up very well. Um, right. Like if they're having migraines or if they're depressed, some, you know, if, there's, if it's anxiety or depression, that might not show up. And so they give me any other information. And then I start working on them. You work the whole, both feet. Um, it takes about, well, 45 to 50 minutes. I, I book by the hour so that by the end of the 50 minutes, they have a plan. And it's you try to motivate them to make one or two healthy changes. I identify or try to identify without diagnosing because um, pretty much when the time you're done, uh, let's say it's gallbladder showing up a lot and uh, they're having this upper back pain. Mm -hmm. I might say, well, 
are you are you having nausea, especially after you eat fatty foods? And if they say yes, and does gallbladder run in the family? Yes. Are you constipated? Yes. I mean, there may be four or five different things that are leading to that. And then I might say, well, it sure looks like it might be gallbladder. They already are convinced it is by then anyway, because <laughs> it all fits, you know. Right. So then you give them information on what to do about that. Right. Uh, and when they... When the treatment is over, um, I offer a glass of water. Uh, we usually either book. But what I do tell people, though, they'll say, well, when can I come back? Can I come back next week? When do I come back? And I usually tell them, and this is for their benefit, I'll say, look, you know, you can come back anytime. You can come back in a few days. You can come back next week. But what I'd like you to do is be full on the plan. So you're drinking the water, you're getting an extra sleep, you're, you're cutting out some of the bad foods, you're getting your bowel working better, whatever it might be. I said, if you could be full in that plan, whatever it might be, then by all means, that, that's, that's better. And that's benefiting them, right? Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so the actual technique <clears throat> that you're mm-hmm. using, can you talk about the, the hand technique that you're using a little bit? I took my course through the uh, Reflexology Association of Canada back in 1993. And what they teach is this uh, thumb walking. The first joint, just ha- after the nail, the thumbnail, that first joint, they're making that move back and forth a little bit. So there's this sort of sliding thumb walking technique. They're pretty particular about not to use lotions and different things like that. But what I have found after a couple of years, my thumbs were really bothering me. And I developed my own technique. So what I do, I slide the thumb along the different points on the feet. Um, I keep that first joint slightly bent. And I do a, a sort of a sliding vibrating technique. I do use a little bit of lotion. So I get that technique. Now I can give a much better treatment by doing that. If if I was doing it the way I was taught, uh, I wouldn't be doing reflexology anymore because my thumbs would be would it, be wrecked. It's very hard on your thumbs. I, it's I remember very, very hard. Yeah. My thumbs couldn't handle it either. After you know, and if you've been doing it for twenty five years, you pretty much have to figure out a way yeah. to do it that you can you can do. <clears throat> Well, it's it's survival, right? I mean, it's my income. And I don't think there's very many people who are as busy as I am out there. That So it's, um, you know, for maybe if you're doing one or two treatments every now and then, the thumb walking might be just fine. Um, you also have to have good hands, I think, is, is important. I mean, if you're having problems already with your wrists and you have joint problems and, uh, you know, your hands are weak, it might not be... Um, the profession you want to get into. So let's talk about people that that it's it's good for. I mean, and obviously I'm thinking, I know one thing, people would come to me and, and they would want reflexology because they didn't want to take their clothes off. They didn't want to have a full body massage and you can access their body through their hands and feet. And so that was one thing that I, I noticed that people would, they didn't mind having their feet worked on, but they didn't want to have their whole body done. Right. Yeah. There, there are people definitely going to be self-conscious about that. And there's people self-conscious about their feet too. So there's going to be people that would never let anyone touch their feet or work on them. Oh, I know. And I remember, I remember having people say, oh, I'm so ticklish. And, but Mm -hmm. as soon as you get your hands on their feet and get them calmed down, being ticklish is not, I've never had 
ticklishness being a problem? Yeah, I, I think you can work on just about everyone. I think if you're having, if you're diabetic and you're having a lot of feet problems, uh, you, you want to be careful, of course. Um, you don't want to nick or scratch the feet or anything like that. So there is that, but um, neuropathy, the nerves are, you know, so you want to control your pressure. So you're not, just because they're not feeling too much, you don't want to press too hard. You know, you want to just still press the pressure that, that you would normally use on someone else just because they can't feel it. You don't want to increase that pressure. Right. Um, I would say just about anyone really can can get a treatment um, if they're comfortable with somebody working on them. And it's so relaxing, number one. And that's part of how healing takes place anyway. When the body, when you can get rid of the tension, the body knows how to heal. Um, stress, tension will, will block that. And so just having your feet rubbed is is healing in itself. Um, so, oh, um, yeah. you know, and I would say um, I, I have a lot of people that are stressed that come to see me uh, for sure. You know, they're they're working, they're they got they're raising a family and most of my clients actually lock in a permanent appointment with me once a week, every two weeks, once a month. They'll have this permanent spot. So they know they can look forward to that spot. They, they ah, this is Tuesday. It's my day, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, and it's just part of their package of, uh, you know, they do other things too, but it's part of their... Um, their self-care, uh, pro- their self-care exactly. plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I remember one time... I went to the summer camp and people found out that I did foot reflexology and you're, you know, people are in a strange place and the food was kind of not very good fiber and that kind of thing. And everybody was constipated. And so they would, they would say, well, you know, you can go, go get Mel to work on you. And, right. and, and it was just so funny. I had all these people coming to me and, and then talking about, oh, Mel, go to Mel, she'll fix you up. And, and. It really does help. Foot reflexology oh, oh, helps. Well, you see, and yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, when I work on people in that area, on the bowel area, um, I'll be listening for this, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, you can hear this gurgling, like in their gut, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, excuse me," and I go, "No, no, that's good," you know. Yeah, uh, that's what we want. So, yeah, you know. I had mm-hmm. another um, friend of mine, and who would have anxiety and get tachycardia and she would come she goes she goes Mel my heart's doing weird things can I can I come over and Mm -hmm. she would come over and I would I would work on her feet and her heart would just pop right back into rhythm of course you know I have to make my medical disclaimer here that it can't be a, a treatment but you know I've seen it happen and I've done it and it's it's pretty cool the way it works um, the heart is very interesting anyway. Um, I, I read about a, a gentleman who had a guide dog and he had heart arrhythmia. Now, even though the dog's heartbeat is a lot faster, he would hold the pulse of the heart of the dog and mm. it would settle, settle him down. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, you know, what's really nice now, of course, in the last oh, 15 years for me is, um, Jaws, my, my screen reader, I can look up things and, and suggest things and, and um, you know, I, you know, heart the rhythm, I'd be, you know, I'd ask other questions if they have eye twitching, if they're if muscle cramping, are they constipated? Because what they might need is magnesium, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. so you start asking that kind of thing, you know, and yeah. And so over time, you've educated yourself even, 
even more. So tell me about what what kind of education you had to have to be, to begin with, or what what have you had? Well, what um, of course I finished high school and all that kind of stuff. But re- with reflexology, um, it it doesn't take a lot of. Um, I think they've upped it now, but it was at that time I think it was like thirty six class uh, hours of classroom work. Mm. And then we did um, 60 treatments where you had to document them. And there was a written exam. And then you had a treatment. You had to give a treatment to someone who's a a teacher. And they would give you a a pass or a fail. Now, the thing about that, though, is you're then a beginner. And it's an ongoing you know, you're certified to give reflexology treatments, but you're, it's, I, to me, it's, it's the beginning though, because I'm always learning. I'm continually uh, learning and, and new, new ideas, new, you know, um, herbal or new suggestions or exercises or stretching or whatever it might be. So it's an ongoing learning thing. And as I said earlier, JAWS is, you know, using the computer really helps that a lot. So. Oh, right. And, and I think that keeps the excitement. And, you know, yeah. constantly learning. I mean, you're not doing the same thing every day and you're working with different people and just constantly learning keeps it keeps it exciting. Well, I love the challenge. I love that, uh, you know, somebody, let's say somebody comes in with migraines and they've been to seven or eight different um, therapies or they've been to the doctor, they've been to, a, you know, different um, ideas where they're trying to figure out what's going on and I love that challenge of trying to and a lot of time it's so amazing how many times it's a simple uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick one just to just to illustrate that and a young lady who um, came in with a headache and this headache was a steady constant headache and she had it for about a year wow yeah, and uh, she was. She went to a few specialists. She went to the Mayo Clinic, and I guess that's in Rochester, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they couldn't really find too much wrong, and she was very healthy otherwise. And uh, so she, when she came, one of my favorite questions is, "What do you hate to give up the most in your diet?" And, <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Well, it was chocolate, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I asked her how much water she drank, and she was about half of what I usually recommend. If if there's no medical problems, I usually recommend half their body weight in ounces of water. Right. So, and so I said, look, try try getting your water up, cut out the chocolate, and see what happens. And you know, within a week, and this <laughs> is a year long. I mean, she was she was fine. I know. So sometimes it's very simple stuff. I mean, it's get get an extra half hour, hour sleep at night or and see as a reflexologist, I mean, you get the credit for it, though, because when they get results, they're going to talk to people and they're going to send their friend or their whoever, you know. So as a business, it's mm -hmm. it's been a really good career opportunity for you. It's been amazing for me. Um. I have given workshops for other reflexologists uh, who are struggling with trying to build up a business. And um, I'll work this in now because I wanted to mention this for anyone who is interested in becoming a reflexologist. If you're a blind person and uh, there are people who assume that if you're blind, you know, you might be a good reflexologist. (laughs) You have to have these other qualities. You have to want to help people. And I mentioned this earlier, but you want to be part of the 
uh, they when they come in, they they have to see that you're healthy, that you're interested in in uh, helping them, that you care about them, and that you um, you know your stuff a little bit. You know, you you motivate them, you you look the part, and so many people will sign up and take a course because they say, hey, I can make 50, 60 bucks an hour here. I'm going to sign up and take this course. They're putting the money first. If you put caring about people um, where you want to help people make a difference in their life first, the money will follow. The successful will follow. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, what, what happens for a lot of people is they um, – they're looking at this as a as a big you know money grab right away, and then it's not happening, so they're panicking like, oh, I was hoping to get 20 clients in the first month or two. You know, you have to be patient, and um, and I think you have to you feel know. confident, you know, or easy in your own your own body because touching mm-hmm. somebody else's body in a professional way is still an intimate. Thing and you need to be able mm-hmm. to hold that space, that energetic space in the room, so that they feel safe and comfortable, and they they know that you know what you're doing. Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, when I first uh, took my course, I mean, I was actually interested in taking the, the uh, massage therapy course, and um, but I decided to take the reflexology course. Um, and I'll tell the story why or how I got into that. But I took the reflexology first just to see if I would be okay with working on people, you know, touching people, working with people. And I just got so busy. I mean, it, after the first year, I was I was doing 50, 55 people a week. <laughs> it was just a, 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 an assembly line, like one right after the other. You know, I was so busy. And um uh, I just stayed with reflexology. There, there's a lot of massage therapists out there, but um, there's not very many busy reflexologists out there. So I, I stayed with reflexology. I think that's for, for that's me. amazing that you're, you know, able to do that many in a week, and you got a, a good practice, you know, pretty soon. That's, well, that's great. Yeah, and I I started out slow. I mean, I didn't have a high expectation. So the first month, I decided, okay, I'd like to have four or five clients. In the second month, I doubled that. It, it I kind of worked with my belief system, really. It, um, I could believe, you know, maybe four or five in the first month. And that was easy. And that's, oh, I could believe seven or eight or <laughs> ten in the second month. But by the end of the month, end of the year, I mean, it, it was um, – I mean, I've slowed down. I probably do – 35 to 40 a week now um but but how i got started uh years ago in about 1992 i guess it was i had received a book in the mail from the cnib library for the blind and it was on reflexology and i was on this sort of random selection i had it was probably health and wellness or something category and at the time i had hurt my neck in the gym i i lift a lot i like i love lifting weights and i was in powerlifting and all that kind of stuff as well but I had hurt my neck and I had nothing, you know, I didn't have anything else to listen to. And so I put on the uh, book and I found the area where it talked about the neck and I started working on myself and I thought, okay, it's sore. Yeah. Okay. I was a bit skeptical. Uh, An hour later, I'm moving my neck around and like, wow, could this be true? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then my youngest, he was having problems sleeping through the night. He had allergies. He'd, he'd be coughing. He was just little. And I'd go in and I'd work on his lungs, bronchial, uh, 
chest, you know, the lymphatic um, area, just 10 minutes, he would sleep right through the night. And my wife had known a massage therapist who had taken the reflexology course, and she suggested I look into it. So I did and kind of hummed and hawed about it. I wasn't sure, you know, <laughs> for about a year and then um, took the course, and I guess the rest is history. Yeah, wow, that's a, that's a great story. It, it's Things come to you, it seems, you know, when, when they're supposed to. You know, massage yeah. came to me in the same kind of way. I was going to go to graduate school for psychology, and on a whim, I just decided to take a weekend workshop on working with the neck, doing massage for the neck. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got there, it, I just felt, I'm at home. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, and you know what? I think I'm the most comfortable when I'm working with somebody. Yeah, yeah, one on one, not much talking for uh, for me. For I don't know about you. I'm an introvert. You know, I I mm-hmm. I enjoy that quiet space between two people. Well, I have such a variety of clients. From I have the ones that come in and they want to deload, right, or whatever that <laughs> word would yeah, be, the right? Therapy appointment. And yeah. boy, oh boy, they're on my couch, basically, right? Yeah, and yeah. They will tell me things that you would not believe, oh, which yeah. is fine, which is fine. And I have others that fall asleep, and I just go into my own little zone, you know, and work on them. And but. Um, and I work out of my home. I have an office in the basement, and um, my wife's a personal trainer, and she has the upstairs. We put an addition on our house about 20 years ago, and we have this a large, you know, probably 22 by 20 foot room, and that's a gym up there. And I work out up there as well, but she's a personal trainer, so she has her clients come, and I have mine downstairs. So our house is busy. It's going all the time. Wow, yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds <laughs> I like I like that idea. Well, and self-employed is it, it's a different kind of you're not uh, uh some boss isn't telling you okay, you need to be you know it's you that's pushing yourself and Exactly. And, I wouldn't work this hard for somebody else. I don't think I might get a little no. resentful, you know. Yes, that's that's yeah. my personality too. And so, you know, it it is something that uh, an, ocu- an occupation, and I hate to call it an occupation because I don't know for some reason that doesn't feel like the right word. But it, mm-hmm. it is, it is a path that someone can can choose, and it be very rewarding. And you're not going to make truckloads of money doing it, and yet you can you can make a living. You can and feel good about what you're doing. Well, and when you're working uh, and you enjoy what you do, yes, that's the more important part anyway. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and we've made a good living. I mean, we've been able to put our three kids through school. We, we put on, a, you know, an addition on the house. We've been able to we, – we're doing okay. Um, we have to work for it, but we both enjoy – you know, I enjoy what I do, so it's a lot easier to work when you're when – you're, you're your own um, boss, something. and it's exactly. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's peaceful. So, um, it's it's winter time, and I know a lot of people get colds and stuffy noses and lung mm-hmm. problems and that kind of thing. Tell us where on on the feet could a person work on themselves to help alleviate some of their symptoms. 
Well, typically with a cold, you have sinuses. The, the balls of the toes uh, represent sinus reflexes. Um, they'll be tender. Uh, they might even be warm or hot if you have an infection. Um, headache also, the, the, the toes will be warm. Uh, so the toes are one area. The top of the foot, you have these, um, between the large toe and the second toe, there's like little troughs that run up on the top of the foot. That first trough between the large toe and the second toe, there's a spot in there that's lymphatic drainage. And usually if you have swollen glands or throat, that's going to be tender. But all through those troughs at the top of the foot, the, the whole top of the foot, if you work that, work the ball of the foot, which you're going to get the lungs and the bronchial, um, there is, you know, just generally working the whole foot is going to help anyway. But I mean, those are probably the areas that need it the most. The toes, the top of the foot, the ball of the foot. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's what I used yeah. to do. I used to do that for my kids when you oh, know, absolutely. they would get sick. And and um, it's just a nice thing to do for somebody. And, and it really, it really works. Yeah. And what I might do actually... Um, I might use an oil like a Vicks or something, you know, that, that uh, I might use that on their feet when I'm working on them. And then when they go home that night, I might suggest that they put something like camphor oil or Vicks or something on their feet, put a pair of socks on and go to bed. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And drink lots of water. You know, always, that, always, 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 <laughs> always, always, always. Exactly. So, so Lawrence, if our, our listeners, if, if somebody is interested in learning about reflexology uh, what what book would you recommend that they get well the book that i uh back when before i took the course um i mean i mentioned the book that i received in the mail but i don't remember that who who wrote that book but the book that i recommend is um the complete guide to hand and foot reflexology by barbara and kevin kuntz and i had uh received that book i tracked it down there was some Back then, it was called Recordings for the Blind. Um, it, they did textbooks for university, that type of thing. Right. We'll look it up and uh, yeah. get it in the, uh, in the show notes because I'm pretty sure it's very good. And, there, and there's a lot of books on reflexology because oh, yeah. I've yeah. read a lot of them over the, over the years. So. Now, I will say, though, there are some books in reflexology that really kind of set a lot of limitations on reflexology. They'll say, never work on somebody with this, 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 or this. There was one book uh, that was like that, that I really thought, well, you're really eliminating everyone. And, uh, you know, nature, just walking in bare feet or standing on a, you can get these special uh, mats that you can stand on. Let's say you keep it under your sink, you put it out when you're doing dishes, you know, um, standing on, walking barefoot, uh, you're getting a sort of a natural reflexology treatment right there because people will feel awake, alert, uh, a little bit stimulated when they're working with their feet like that. Oh, right. I remember the reflexology shoes. <laughs> I used to have, oh, yeah. I, had, I had those, you know, with yeah. the, the nubs on the, and then you have the, the, uh, those hard balls that you can get that have the, yep. the nubs mm -hmm. on them and you can roll your feet over that and that, that'll stimulate the, uh, the reflexology points on the bottom of your foot. So one, one caution though, just so that, uh, people, if they are starting to play around with their feet and standing on, um, rollers and so on there's a tendon that runs down the bottom of the foot if you point your large toe up that tendon sticks out 
Yes. You want to be very careful on that, that you don't um, work on that too much. And if if anyone has had children and they stepped on a Lego block uh, barefoot <laughs> on that spot, they know exactly what I mean. So you, you really want to be careful with that spot, but um, not to overdo it there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I think we've we pretty well covered covered reflexology, and I just really recommend people to do some of their own research and even, you know, and if you have a health issue for yourself, look for a reflexologist or find somebody in your area that that does reflexology. They're, they really are pretty common in now a lot more than they used to be. And a lot of times, a massage therapist will know reflexology and will work that into their into their treatment. Exactly. Yeah. I I get the question a lot. um, How do you find a good reflexologist or do you know anybody in, you know, this city or that city? And um, normally um, for a lot of people, reflexology has been a second or a third course that they've taken. You know, maybe they're doing massage and they're doing um, body talk or something. And, but if they really want someone who uh, specializes find out how busy they are. If they're busy and they're just doing reflexology or maybe, um, yeah, mainly reflexology, then you know pretty well they're going to be okay because, you know, they made it as just doing the one profession, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. But there are some, there are some good massage therapists that do reflexology, no question. Uh, but if they're having a serious health issue and they've tried other things, you know, maybe try to find somebody that has, is doing it full time and, uh, they, they might, you know, might be okay then. Yeah, good deal. Thank you so much, Lawrence. I think we, uh, I think we may have piqued some people's interest and uh, people are welcome to contact us through um, the Blind Alive website at support at blindalive.com. And if people have questions that they would like for me to pass on to, uh, to Lawrence, I can I can do that. So thank you so much for talking with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Mel. That was very good. I enjoyed it. Phew, finally made it. Yeah, and I feel like I walked for miles just to get here. My feet are really aching. My feet are okay, but my back is really tired and sore. I know, I know, there's this neat little invention called rolling luggage, but I have so much stuff and I just don't like the idea of it being stored out of my reach. That means all the important stuff is carried on my back. I know the feeling. If it's really important, I want it right with me. I don't have to worry about back pain anymore, though, thanks to the back T-Pack. It divides the weight evenly, so it's distributed on either side. It puts things right under my arms and hands, so they're within easy reach. I'm concerned that someone being really careful could open my pack and take something from it. The design of the back tea pack sounds like it might cut down on that. Yeah, and because everything is close at hand, there's no need to take it on and off, on and off, every time I need to add something to it or get something out. And I can use it to carry more than I would be able to fit in the average medium to large backpack. So that's a winner too. The cool thing is that all kinds of people use the back tea pack. Hikers, students, tech enthusiasts, people who need to carry oxygen, and frequent travelers. Speaking of travel, I've got to get going, but is there somewhere I can learn more? Absolutely. Just visit blindalive.com slash backtpack. That's B-A-C-K-T-P-A-C-K. 
you'll find audio, text, and even an interview with Bhakti Pack's creator. Don't forget, it's blindalive.com slash Pack. I'll remember that. My pack will be sure to remind me. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat, y'all. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. You ready to eat? Let's eat. Let's eat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Let's Eat. I'm Peggy, and I have a special guest with me today. My daughter, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Today, we are going to bake a very special cake. It's an apple cake, but we're going to do it in the microwave. We got this recipe from Pampered Chef. We went to a party recently, and we made this cake at the party, and I was so impressed with it that I thought it would be a good let's eat segment cake to make. So Sarah's gonna help me make this. So what do we need first, Sarah? Well, first I do wanna add for those of you who are counting the calories, I did load the recipe into my fitness pal and figured out how much it would come to. And if you include homemade whipped cream made from heavy whipping cream, the whole thing when sliced into 12 slices comes out to 114 calories per slice. So that means you could make this for a holiday party or, um, or a fall event if you, um, you know, have a fall event or a dinner party, you know, close to Christmas would be, this would be a nice dessert and one that you could participate in if you're kind of trying to keep from gaining too many holiday pounds. So what do we need to do? Um, well, you want to start with some apples. How many? You can use one really big apple. They suggest Braeburn's in the recipe, um, which I don't have, but I have two small honey crisps, so we're going to make that work. Yeah, so if, if you're using one of the big apples, it would be one. But since honey crisps are a fairly small apple, we're going to use two. And what are we going to do first? Core them? Yeah, we're going to start by coring. And we have a handy dandy fancy Pampered Chef apple core, which I absolutely love. For a totally blind person, it's a wonderful apple core. Because unlike the old fashioned apple cores, you don't have to turn it. You basically place it over the apple where the core is and press down and it actually just takes the core right out. So we've got the apple core. And then we're going to go ahead and cut the apples in half. Okay. And cut each half in half. And you might feel along the edge, make sure you didn't miss any core. rough pieces, of, pieces core, of core, which you can just at this point shave off with the side of your I'm knife. I'm going to put this towel back in here because okay. I don't think it got dirty and uh, we have one out already. Apple smells good. These are very fragrant. Mm -hmm. Honey crisps. If you haven't tried a honey crisp apple, you might get one. They're really very, very good. And then once you have sliced your apple into four pieces, you can take each quarter and make thin slices. Okay. About a quarter of an inch each. Okay. And what are we going to do with those? Well, once you get them all sliced, we're going to arrange them in a pan. In the bottom? 
For this um, cake, I'm using the Pampered Chef Rock Crock again, the two and a half quart one. If you have a wide two and a half quart casserole, you can actually make this, this cake. I wouldn't use a narrow deep one though. It would need to be a fairly wide, but about two and a half quarts in size. Do we have to cover this cake at some point? I believe so, yes. So you might want to make sure that your casserole has a lid. I think it does say to grease the uh, yeah, I have pan rock rock very good before you do it. So. Okay, so now I've got my apple all cut up. I have my two and a half quart rock crock. So we're going to spray that. And it says to use oil, but I like to cut calories by using Pam's butter spray because it doesn't give you the aftertaste of Pam. But it doesn't give you the calories of butter either. But if you're someone that doesn't like spray, um, wants to stay away from um, spray um, agents, some people won't use Pam for that kind of reason, you can use whatever kind of oil suits you. Coconut oil might work well. Yeah, coconut oil would work very yeah, well. Yeah, coconut oil would probably um, be... And next I'm going to start arranging these slices. You want to put the thin end, that would have been the top of the apple, against the edge of the pan so that the opposite end is pointing to the center. And we're going to follow the curve of the apple and just arrange these slices in a circle all the way around the pan until you make one full circle. And then if you have any space in the middle, you fill that in with some more apple. So you make like concentric circles with yeah. your apple and that way when your cake Well, you're going to fit each curve inside the previous Inside the apple previous curve. curve. Yeah. So, so it, it'll make it a pattern that looks nice when your cake is inverted. This is a very nice looking presentation wise, nice looking cake. That's why I say it might be good for like dinner parties or Christmas parties. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to make a different design with it, you can. I saw one person that made sort of a star design by making her apple slices go all different directions. So it's, you know, definitely where you can get a little creative. Just remember it's going to be the top of your cake. So you want that to look presentable. So I have arranged my slices. Next, uh -oh. I'm going to put together the cake mix. Mm -hmm. So I have my bowl, and I have a Duncan Hines Signature Spice Cake Mix. But any 18 and a half ounce spice cake mix will do. However, Duncan Hines is the best. That's right. <laughs> Especially when they're buy one, get one free. When they are buy one, get one free, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap, delicious, and 10 calories less than the other brands I noticed. Yeah, well, that does make a difference. I mean, it's only 10, but hey. And you don't need to prepare the cake mix. You just want it in powdered form. Dump it out of the box into the bowl. Into your bowl. And I have already measured out a cup and a half of unsweetened old-fashioned applesauce, which I am going to pour Add over to it. Mix. Use a spatula if you have to to get all that applesauce in there. And then I'm going to take a whisk and go ahead and mix it up. And she's just mixing it by hand. We aren't using an electric mixer or anything like that for this. I found with the two ingredient type cakes like this, because you're not adding egg and things like that to make it very fluffy, mm -hmm. it's kind of better to do by hand. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think because you're moving more of it at a time, so it gets a little more air in there. Maybe. switch out to a rubber spatula because I do like to use a rubber spatula with a cake mix sometimes. Well, you get you can, all that powdered stuff off yeah, the sides. Yeah, you can get the powdered stuff off the sides and you can press into the cake mix and kind of break up any lumps that have formed in there. 
but the only ingredients in the actual cake are the applesauce and the cake. And mix. that's how it ends up being only 114 calories is less. Yes. <laughs> there are no eggs. There's no oil. Oil. There's no dairy. Yeah, oil is what adds the most. So to if the you cake are lactose intolerant, this is a really great cake. All right, my cake mix is pretty well mixed up. Is it time to pour it in now? Yep, next is we're going to very carefully pour this over the apple and make sure it's spread nice and evenly. And you have to put the lid on so it? So now that it's done, we're putting the lid on it and we're okay. going to microwave on high for, for 10 minutes. Okay. Or until a toothpick comes out clean. Yeah, so we're going to start with 10 minutes. Though. So yeah, we are starting with 10 minutes. Okay. In the meantime, we're going to make a sauce. What kind of sauce is it? It is a salted caramel sauce. Salted caramel. Who doesn't like salted caramel? So what do we need So we're going to use a half a cup of maple syrup. Okay. And you have to use um, real maple real syrup. Maple syrup. Not the Mrs. Butterworth. You can't buy Mrs. Butterworth or Aunt Jemima. You have to buy the Vermont maple. Vermont maple. Because it's the sugar in it that will crystallize and make this caramel sauce. Yeah. And we're going to also use two tablespoons of butter. So not a lot of butter. No, it's not. It's not really a lot of butter. Yeah. So you're really depending on the, the caramel, the, the maple sugar to do its thing. So what do we do? Melt the butter. So we're gonna put the syrup in a pan and start to heat it over about medium high heat until it starts to bubble just a little bit. Okay. So I am measuring out my half a cup. Does it say how many minutes it might take? It does not, but I don't think it takes very long. To try and figure out the benefit of those who are um, totally blind making this how long until it begins to bubble about. So I have my maple syrup on the stove and I have my butter measured. And you have the stove on medium high but we're not putting the butter in yet. Right. But basically we're going to bring this until it starts to bubble, add the butter and let it melt. Mm -hmm. And we're going to bring it to a boil. And we're going to boil it for one minute, and you're going to have to keep stirring it because it will stick yeah. otherwise. So you'll have to put a timer on for one minute once mm -hmm. you, once it begins to have a little bubble. We need to figure out a way for to identify when it's bubbling a little bit. Because you can use your eyes, but we can't. I'll see if it makes noise. Okay. Might be hard to hear over that microwave. It shouldn't take too long, though, to bring um, half a cup of maple syrup to a boil because we had it at room temperature. Okay, so about two minutes it starts to form bubbles. Okay. So if you're totally blind in making this, cook it about two minutes before you add your butter. And you're going to add your butter, and it kind of helps if you put the spatula on the lump of butter and just keep moving it around and around and around until that butter all dissolves. Mm -hmm. That is one way to tell if your butter is all melted or not. Mm -hmm. And then how long have you got to stir it once the butter is in? Well, you let it come to a full boil and time it for a minute. Pampered Chef, but one of my recent purchases from them was the Pampered Chef Whipped Cream Maker. And it's a very small, it looks like a mini butter churn basically. And uh, you put whipping cream and about how much powdered sugar? 
I'm going to start with a tablespoon. Okay. And you can do it to taste. But homemade whipped cream is certainly better than. Um, the uh, whipped cream maker does have <coughs> a line on it. I'm using about about a half a cup, maybe a little more than that. Of whipping cream. Whipping cream. Heavy whipping cream. Um, you can, if you want to do this in a mixture or a blend with a blender, you can do that as well. Yeah, if you've got a a blender like Mel's Blend Tech, you could actually do this same process in a blender. We have a blender, but we're, we like our new little whipping cream thing. So I put my ingredients in and I'm going to start whipping churning. It. Apparently you can make butter in this little cream whipper also. It's just a little handheld thing and you put the cream in there and put the lid on and it has like a pump handle. You pump it up and down and that's what she's doing and it will turn into whipped cream. Um, also great of her body workout. Yeah, it's also a good workout, so you're going to burn a few calories while you pump that thing up and down. Which you will then consume. So which you will then consume in whipped cream. So, um, the nice thing is though that if you wanted to make fresh butter for, you know, like Or made, clotted cream for scones. Yeah, if you made homemade uh, bread, you could make fresh butter. You just whip it longer than you are for whipped cream. But you'll see, it's not going to take her long to get this cream um, <coughs> done. I'm amazed at how fast it, it whips. How many calories do you think you burn whipping that cream? Probably not enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to unscrew it. See how it looks. See how we're looking. Is it done? Oh yeah. So as you can see, it didn't take too long to make whipped cream. You want to taste it? Mm -hmm. Here's the beater. Yum. So what, how much powdered sugar did you use? Uh, just under a tablespoon. So about a tablespoon of powdered sugar. So you're not talking about, you know, lots of sugar or ultra sweet stuff. Meanwhile, our salted caramel sauce is thickening. I'd also like to add for those of you who do get the whipped cream maker, a little plug. If you are a coffee junkie like I am, you can make a wonderful cafe misto with it. Just put your morning cream in there and froth it up real good, or even microwave the cream first if you like it warmed up, and then froth it and pour that over your coffee. How many seconds do you think you would microwave it? 10 or 15. Yeah. And uh, you'll have a, your very own cafe misto, like yum, they serve at Starbucks, yum. which is my go-to, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just saying. Well, the cake finished, we need to look at it. How's your caramel doing? It is slowly but surely thickening up. Well, it said about 10 minutes after you turn off the stove, you let it sit for about 10 minutes, so. Put a lid on this. Okay, that will keep, I guess, until mm -hmm. we're ready for it. I just don't want anything to fall in it, so we're going to put right. the lid on that. And let me grab some mitts. Do we need to refrigerate that until we need it? Not just yet. Okay. I'm going to test the center of this and see if it needs to cook some more, which I think it might. Yeah, the toothpick, the old toothpick test. Okay, it needs probably about three or four more minutes. Yeah. Because it is still a little moist. I wonder why our microwave is so much, uh, so we said ten minutes. I would give it three. Yeah, that's what I'm going to okay. do. 
and then you're supposed to let it sit for 10. So I would say after three, I would let it sit yeah, 10. Yeah. Minutes, we're gonna let it sit so in our microwave, it took 13, but, but, but I suggest if you make this, you start with 10 and give it the toothpick test. And if you need to give it a minute or two more, keep in mind that it is gonna sit for 10 minutes. So it will firm up. Are you supposed to leave the lid on while it sits? After uh, you remove it from the microwave, uncover it and let it stand for another 10 minutes. Okay, so you leave it stand uncovered for 10 minutes. So Sarah's putting the whipped cream that we made in the refrigerator until we're ready to eat this cake. We have two hungry men in this house that we can test this out on. My husband David and Wayne will both try this cake and our caramel sauce and will know that we have been successful if they like it, right? Oh yeah. We are basically done with the cake. It's just a matter now of assembling it. So that was an extremely easy recipe to make and um, didn't use a lot of stuff, didn't make a mess of your kitchen. Our cake is ready. And so now what do we do? Turn it out onto a plate? Well, I have, I went ahead and I ran a rubber spatula around the edges to make okay. sure it's not sticking, sticking to the rock crack. And I'm going to put a plate face down over the top. Okay. And I'm going to grab the handles with my thumb and put the rest of my hand over the plate. And just turn the whole and thing turn over. Turn the whole thing over. Tap on a little Knock bit. on the bottom. And there is our cake, all in one piece. Isn't that great? Wow. And the apples are all on top nicely in a nice pattern that she, um, and they actually have formed a little bit of a sauce, haven't they? Yeah, they do. Um, almost a like a, a baked apple kind of um, sauce, you know, like you would have in an apple pie. The little bit of the cake mix mixed with the apples and made kind of a um, apple pie type of sauce. So what do we do from here? Pour the caramel over the top? Yep, yep that's what we're going to do. Okay, so. This caramel sauce that we made with the maple syrup and butter has thickened up a bit. So she's going to very carefully pour it over the cake. And the best way really is to start in the center and pour slowly in a circular fashion. And if you're totally blind, you might want to use a cake dish that has a little bit of an edge, like a pie plate maybe, so that if you do get caramel off the edges of the cake, it won't, um, and, you know, I mean, it's still, it's thickened, but it's still going to be a little bit wet, you know, syrupy. It's not like a, a, a consistency of like, you know, the thick caramel sauce you get from a, a, a ice cream shop. So you're going to, you know, spread it around a little bit and let it soak into the cake. That's primarily what this is for. Yeah. And once it fully cools, it'll be more of a gel, but you want it to soak into the cake. Okay. But I think the idea is that you serve this cake slightly warm. Yeah, that is um, the, that is. They um, don't want you to, I mean, if you have some left over and it goes to room temperature, that's fine. I mean, I'm thinking you could but, probably, if you really wanted to get a little creative with this, when you're making the sauce, you could add like a shot of brandy even and let that soak in and mm, that would probably that be, be good something. Too. So now that I've done that, I'm going to go ahead and cut my cake mm -hmm. into 12 slices. You could probably even put some nuts uh, in the bottom with your apples. Absolutely. And then when you pour the sauce over, you'd have a little, you know, I would think that a few walnuts would be in order. Now, did you cut it the way you would cut a pie? Yes. Like in half and mm -hmm. then in quarters and then each quarter? Well, I cut it in half and then I'm cutting each half into six pieces. Okay. <clears throat> and there's our cake. Okay. Well, so now we, would, we have a beautiful caramel cake. 
Sarah will be serving it up soon, and you just, on each individual serving, you would put a little dollop of whipped cream. So I hope you've enjoyed this apple cake. It was very easy to make, um, very no fuss, but it's turned out looking very elegant. So um, I hope you'll try this cake. And if you do, send us a note on the Blind Alive community and let us know how it turned out, how you liked it. Other than that, we'll see you next time on the next edition of Let's Eat. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. We'll do it again soon. Let's eat. Let's eat. sounds like a really good cake and it also sounds super easy. I'm afraid if I had that the ingredients to that around my house that I would make it too often and uh, might not be such a good such a good idea but I do have a birthday coming up so I may uh, indulge in that in that cake. It sounds really really good and really it's not um, it's not that high in calories as far as cakes go, so uh, it might be a good one to try. I want to thank Peggy Fleischer and her daughter Sarah and Wayne King for all the work that they put into the Let's Eat segments. Wayne King does all the editing for these segments, and I just think they've done a really good job, and I I appreciate it. So we're looking forward to more of those this year. We do understand that the, the chiming clock in the background is a problem, particularly for people with hearing impairments, and we are going to get that out of there in the future segments. Uh, Peggy and Wayne live with that clock, I think, and I think they don't, they don't hear it, which I'm sure some of you uh, are used to. If you live with a clock like that, you just it goes into the background, and you just don't even pay any attention to it. But we are going to pay attention to it from now on, so the listening to those segments will be a little bit easier for you. One more thing, I'm, I'm hoping by now, in fact, I think by now, we will have reached 1,000 newsletter subscribers for the blindalive.com newsletter. Uh, I hope so. I, I, I wish I could give a prize to the thousandth newsletter subscriber because I just I'm just excited about that number. And so if if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, go to the website blindalive.com and and do it because that's where the promo codes are going to show up and any announcements for new workouts. We send out recipes and we're sending out about one to two newsletters a month now because I don't like to overdo people. I don't like that in my own inbox and I'm sure you don't either. So there's no worries. We're not going to overdo your inbox. So go check us out, blindalive.com and see what else is there. We've got 14 workouts. We have blogs. We have obviously these podcasts and other bits and pieces here and there throughout the website. So take care and we will talk to you in two weeks.